1: Oh, we have fancy TK. I didn't get the memo. All business today, Daryl. I didn't get the All memo. Business. I feel slightly underdressed.
2: Okay. Nobody's nobody's going to outdress me, I tell
1: you. Nobody's out, going to outdress TK. Where are you heading after?
2: Uh, showings showings
1: in-person showings eh?
2: in-person showings socially distanced i swear socially distanced in-person showings hey i I swear i'm not i'm not gonna go out and show houses and stand with three to four feet between myself and the buyers there's just not a way there's just not a chance no way not me not me i tell you
1: have you been vaccinated
2: no but i'm hoping to get vaccinated
1: Is this on your bucket list?
2: I think it's on my things to do list. I think a bucket list is is a little bit too far down the road. I think it's like on like the immediate things to do. So what about you? Uh,
1: I have not. You should have shares in Pfizer. I have not. Shares in Pfizer. I saw this funny video yesterday. My daughter showed me this uh, TikTok video of these neighbors. And uh, Mm. one of them had... uh, third eye like a googly eye in the middle of his forehead and the neighbor goes to him oh astrazeneca right it was five years later of the pandemic and the guy goes oh astrazeneca right he goes yeah Yeah. what about you and he goes oh i had uh i don't know pfizer and he pulls out his tail (laughs) and they're like having a laugh together and they go oh no there's j and j and it's like this zombie looking mangled guy walking towards them I thought it was well, kind of funny. that's completely
2: 100% unrealistic. Yeah, but it was funny.
1: <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Please subscribe to the channel. Please.
2: Hey guys, YouTube's got an algorithm and it really, really helped us out a lot. If you could like, comment, and subscribe, this is how we can get more information out to more people and uh, share the message of Toronto Real Estate.
1: In Thanks. In that order, like, comment, subscribe, and hit the damn
2: bell. Yeah. And I, I think the government was saying those 75% vaccine, vaccinated and our first dose and 20% uh, both doses, they'll start wow. to open things up again like borders and all that kind of stuff so i want to be part of the solution daryl not the problem
1: yeah that that's typical for for tk
2: yeah so what's uh i i prefer to be part of the problem you you question the solution let's just say that
1: i i listen i uh i'm not anti-vax i'm not not gonna take it i'm just waiting a little while longer to see what, what happens to the rest of you, because I don't trust the research and the timing in which they did it.
2: So, what's your experience in, in vaccine research studies? Well, that's How many just studies it. that you it's, over? it's
1: absolutely zero. So, I prefer oh, okay. to just not inject myself with things I don't but, understand. But you looked into this.
2: You looked into this study.
1: No, I refuse oh, okay, so to no look studies. at everything. Unless it says real estate in the title, you got a hunch. I'm leaving it you got alone. A hunch. You're this, like, I don't know. It's not like I'm you going got a hunch out about there. That guy. I don't go out and like spread my 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 misinformation. I don't really like talking about it. I don't go yeah. out there pretty much at all. But if I do, I'm super <laughs> responsible <laughs> about it. No, like yeah, I, I, don't I go talk to, to anybody. I, I I might go to a bank or a bank machine. My wife will go to the grocery store from time to time, and other than it's, that, um. Other than that, we're like, you know, I think we're doing our part. We're staying away from everybody because we are not getting vaccinated. I think um, that should be an option. It should be like, take it, don't take it, and somewhere in the middle.
2: (laughs) Maybe going to take it later. Check. It's a sensitive topic. It's a sensitive topic. So I when you're meeting new people, sensitive
1: topics though. when you're meeting new
2: people now, now you can't just start bringing up the vaccine topic because no. one person can start going down the road you're going down and other people can go down. Oh. The, everybody needs to get it. And all these people are like, it's they're bad sensitive. news, man. Yeah, it's bad so you news. Just, but you just everybody wants it. to talk about it.
1: That's the thing. And then it's like, what Politics, do you do? Politics,
2: religion, vaccines, just three topics. you don't Money, bring up.
1: money, money is normally one of them, too. There you go. You leave it alone. But we talk about all of them we as much that as possible. Why the hell not? <laughs> yeah. I like it. A lot of stuff going on out there, say. eh? A lot of stuff. So we got a guest to today, right? It. Yeah, we have Tom's Story. Again, round two. I like that guy. Which awesome. Which means yeah, me too. I'm going to be happy because we get to talk about condos. condos. Condos, condos, condos. Which should be a hot topic now, no? Condos are hot. Condos are hot rent is mm-hmm. going up everybody mm-hmm. is happy and what do we want to do let's slow it down this is too good right now who said that who wants to slow it down everybody wants to slow it down
2: not everybody i mean there's not everybody of who like the sell bank right of... now who wanted to keep going
1: bank of canada doesn't want to slow it down that's for sure
2: but what about people who own houses at the bank of canada people like at the actual maybe they're bank thinking of about canada? selling like on top yeah, maybe, of it. Maybe the employees. Yeah. Maybe they're like, hey, I'm thinking about selling. Let's not do this yet. Can we wait till after September?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tiff's like, hold on a sec. I plan on listing my house next month. So we're just going to keep the gas on a little Dial bit it longer. it up a little bit.
2: Yeah. What a predicament to be in.
1: Imagine if you were the guy who had some control over the real estate market. What would you do?
2: Um, well, what would I do
1: today? Okay, as opposed to what? Yesterday, tomorrow. Well, saying, you know, what would you do there's tomorrow? There's different coming up. It's Sunday, so, so one like morning. If I
2: woke up and I was in charge of the real estate market, yeah, okay, yeah. I would make it um, a lot easier for uh, buyers to be able to buy.
1: Okay, this is rhetoric unless you have a plan.
2: Okay, good. Yeah, at least we're on the same page. Yeah, and I would make it a lot easier for sellers if they wanted to
3: sell. <laughs> right
1: the, the tk utopian ideal it's the perfect plan what could go wrong nothing other than Tom's yeah. story interrupting your brilliant plan here i thought Thank that was a great god idea. though yeah i mean it was well yeah. thought out well, it's it was concise. Have to come up with anything
2: else no
1: gray area there at all
2: i don't have to i don't have to come up with any actual facts about
1: anything what do we need facts for Tom's story in the house round two
4: what's going what on guys on? how are Morning, you tom I'm doing well. I'm uh, up at the cottage. It's nice, finally outside, so no complaints here. Wonderful. Awesome. Is That's this, the place uh, to be.
1: Did I see? where Was it you? You bought you bought a new cottage uh, throughout this thing? I think I, I remember did. seeing it on the,
4: Instagram, right? Yeah, I'm at the family place right now where I'm closing on my cottage in three weeks, so pretty excited Ooh, about that.
2: cool. Whose grave did you have to walk over to get that thing? Yeah. Holy smokes.
4: You know, right? you... Uh, when you're in this industry, you, you have some, uh, helping hands sometimes. So even though I'm licensed, obviously I didn't try to find myself a cottage cause I don't know that market. Yeah. Um, I ended up finding something off market through a realtor I knew locally. Um, wow. so it worked out, but still it was a six month process of, it wasn't easy.
1: Wow. Yeah. Off market. Yeah. That's a golden goose right now. Was it off market or was it on the market? It was off market. Ooh, nice. So you'll find That's out if it. you did okay later, I guess, right?
4: Yeah. I'm going to hold it for a long time. So honestly, I don't care. I love <laughs> like
2: it. I, yeah. Great. Smart. Yeah. Tom's so He's smart.
4: Good. I like him.
2: He's good. You can't, you can't lose with, with waterfront. In my opinion, whether markets go up or down, I think anytime you're looking at waterfront, it's just like, there's always so many good lakes and good spots and, and everything else. Well, too, it, right? and
1: we looked at the chart. His, his mentality is, is I'm buying this. It's mine. It's not an investment. It's like, so it, what what's the chance it's going to go down he's he's like a young guy he's going to own it till he's dead or pass it on
2: like it doesn't Passing even matter pass it on to the great grandchildren so of tom story <laughs> you know i
4: keep seeing all these uh all these articles coming out and, and maybe not as much recently but like the last 2 months it was like next generation uh, our kids will never be able to afford real estate and i kept thinking like if if we were better now at buying investments to pass on we're like on my kid that doesn't exist, you know, 19th birthday, instead of giving them a stupid car that they don't need, I give them the keys to their condo, which is almost paid off, you know?
2: Yep. Family trust. Yeah. Yep.
1: Well, Those that's one thing to set up. It's one on one hand. It's good. Right. But they need to learn how to do stuff because, I mean, if, if they're handed everything. They uh they turn well, into incorpor- idiots. You
2: incorporate that as part as part of the trust, right? So whether if whether it be a condo or a cottage or whatever it is, they're taking care of it and you're coaching them and, and showing them how it works and whether it's collecting rental income or paying taxes or putting in the dock every every uh, spring, you know, you kinda have that sort of um real world uh learning experience that the kids get to have. There's lots lots of families that do that. Smart, Absolutely smart. Move.
1: smart. Cool. Yeah. So
4: I was gonna say, TJ, do you see because I see this a lot in our side of things, like just equity redistribution, whether it's refinancing or passing a property down, like that is what I see a lot in terms of where my especially first-time home buyers are getting their down payment from. It's Big not time. it's right, not right, salary.
2: Right down to the parents selling their properties just to help the kids and in going into a rental. If they just okay. don't have the wealth, they'll say, Look. I've, I've earned my, you know, my equity and I've, and I've done what I needed to do. And this is maybe something I would have done later on. And they're selling their properties to help their kids to be able to get into something. Um, and then another, another family I saw this week who's struggling to sell. So their agent asked me just to kind of go and do a walkthrough to see what's going on. Cause they haven't been, been able to sell it in the last three weeks and, wow. um, they've closed on the property that they bought for their kids. So they own this other property. That's like multi millions of dollars and stuff. So obviously right. they had the wealth to do it, but, um, that was a house that they never planned on selling. Like it was just like, you know, kids' plans change. It's what we got to do. And they're just throwing it all into that, um, into that family fund, which makes sense when you think about it. If we really are all about our kids and whether we give it to them in their 40s or 60s or after we pass, like what's the difference? You know, as long as the money's going to the right place.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah.
3: So what's on the docket today, Daryl?
1: All kinds of stuff. I mean- You're like the, you're like the guide on our show. I am the, I am the show Sherpa, Sharpa? Sherpa, Sherpa. You're, you're the show Sherpa. I'm the show Sherpa. Look at me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Get you us to the top safely. I will be wearing a different costume next week, I promise. OK, well, I don't know. I like uh, some of the stuff that, that Tom has been talking about on his channel. I mean, obviously, we all know that the market is rip roaring, even though all of the articles said it was slowing down over the last week. Um, So that's kind of out there. But one thing that that Tom has talked about recently that I would love to talk about and I'm happy to have somebody to discuss it with is NFTs. (laughs) I fucking love this stuff, man. This is crazy. Five hundred thousand dollars for like some fake piece of Mars renderings. And somebody bought it, you know.
4: One of the best comments on that video was, so someone paid half a million dollars for a Sims house. And I was like, yeah, like basically that's, that's what happened.
3: Explain and, that. So you just know, At the end of the
4: day, like, yeah. So it was a, it was a Toronto artist. Her name was Krista Kim. And, and so when I say that a house, a virtual house, sold for half a million dollars, you know, at the end of the day, you're bought, it's a piece of art what you're buying is digital art um, but it was just a rendering a 3d rendering that you bought and you are now the one of one owner and someone based on the, the valuation of what ethereum was when they purchased it spent over five hundred thousand dollars of of real money to to own this virtual house. So it, it's it's really interesting. I mean the blockchain is everything in terms of how this actually works and why it would be worth something and how there's only one of one like this is it this is what you're looking at and there's a video daryl like a two minute video just going through it and like
2: that's crazy looks like my son's roblox so but hold on
1: a sec so hold on a sec so this this girl made this rendering uh sold for half a million dollars this other guy in california did you read about him the realtor who tried to sell a house as an nft and it it didn't sell
4: I haven't seen that one yet.
1: So there's this other guy. I forget his name. Young guy. Thought it would be a good idea. And I agree with him, actually. I think he was just way too early. But so he had somebody do a rendering of a real house with some video, all kind of freaky and weird NFT style. And then um, had an actual house attached to it that had like rental income and was like a physical house. And he, he posted it as a an auction, as an NFT. And. Not a bid, man. Not a bid. TK's so was smiling. the actual house built? Was it yeah, built? Yeah, the actual house? Yeah, it was house just or like an rend- old house renovated plus the rendering. And the guy, like, there was no price. It was just like, somebody buy this thing. Use Ethereum. And it went nowhere. Crazy, right? But somebody will buy a $500,000 rendering of something that doesn't even exist.
2: I guess if they had the Ethereum they're thinking Ethereum's going to go up more than that house so they're like uh eh, I'll keep the I'll keep the uh the crypto no big deal.
4: Right. And- that's that's part of it is you look at the who is buying this and what they're buying it through all of these sales are happening through Ethereum and it's almost like found money in its own way because the person that spent $500,000 in Ethereum Maybe at one point made a twenty thousand dollar investment that turned into that over the last three years because of what crypto's
2: done. If even so that much, so it's almost much. found money, right? Yeah. If yeah. even yeah. that much, I hope so. If they if they did end up buying that, especially the person who bought that rendering that you're talking about, I hope they were like early on investors where they were in like a hundred bucks and they're like, eh, why not? But listen,
1: there's zero doubt that these kind of transactions are the future of real estate. I mean, an NFT uh, is, is basically like it's a smart contract. You've heard about these smart contracts, right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's all it really is. It's just an easier way to trade the real estate. It's, it's, it's a matter of time before all we hear about is NFTs in real estate.
2: So explain
1: that to me then. So what? what so why is it an easier way to trade real estate? Well, we're going down a serious rabbit hole here. That one, I'm probably not the best to explain, and two, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's it, it's interesting. Okay, so Bitcoin, if you know Bitcoin, or if you know about blockchain and how blockchain works, it's decentralized, right? So instead of one co- one corporation or one company logging all of the data for something specific, it's spread out over multiple people's computers around the world as a double check. And that's basically what it is. It's a ledger double checked by multiple, multiple other people rather than one company saying, yep, this is right or nope, this is wrong, right? And so what happens is now you start putting titles of properties on an NFT and you trade that token to somebody else in a one-to-one easy, smooth transaction that doesn't involve third fourth fifth sixth parties that don't really need to be there that are just currently part of the system now how'd i do tom
2: hey let me
4: let that me give you the naysayer. you, know, you explained give- it better than i could have
2: <laughs> let me give you the naysayer so i own an asset i own a hard asset and yes. i'm looking to sell it and it's worth half a million dollars yes why would i want to take a currency that's got more volatility than the dollar. Why would I why would I want to trade it for something that by the like I trade it for half a million dollars, I got half a million dollars in in an NFT crypto, whatever, whatever the case may be, and then all of a sudden that's worth 10% less three weeks later, I know that the dollar is not going to drop 10% in those three weeks. And I can do what I want with that money and maybe reinvest it in another asset. So is it strictly people who are bullish on cryptos who would be interested in this or or is it really something that is going to be um you know facilitating the transaction and saving any of those third second fourth sixth party fees what uh what do you say tom what do you say um what do you say on that i like to be the naysayer right so
4: <laughs> yeah yeah so i think it's obviously going to be the future in some capacity but nfts in general the fact that they are non-fungible means like you can't trade one for one They're, that's it like it's one thing and the example that every video talked about and i talked about in mine is that you can go see the Mona Lisa, you can take a picture of it, but your picture's not worth anything. But the actual thing is there, and you can't you can't trade it for another Mona Lisa. Like, there's one of it, right? So the way that I look at it, uh, do both of you have kids? Yep. Okay. Yep. Do they play any online games on their phone and ask you for your Visa card to buy skins or something? Or do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Hold, oh, on, yeah. hold on. I'll give
1: you my card in a second. Hold on. I'm just recording. <laughs> yeah, like every two minutes.
4: Okay. Yeah. So yeah. – it's, it's kind of the same thing. And it's like for them to show their friends in this game, they have this special thing, which you need, you need to trade real money. Now, this hasn't, it's kind of like NFTs before it got to NFTs because it's happening within this online game. Yeah. But if you look at anything, so brands of clothing that we wear, uh, I'm wearing Apple AirPods. Like I have a watch that's a certain type of watch. And I, and I wear these things because one, I, I like what they do. But two, it also like shows my personality in some way. And I think even just moving away here, we're going like, you know, big level away from just real estate, but just in general, if you could own. So like good example, Austin Matthews on the Leafs, he had an NFT that came out and he sold it and they went for a lot of money and someone, someone owns his one of ones for these specific things. And so it's almost like online currency. To show off who you are, it's no different than wearing a specific type of clothing or like Supreme and why those shirts sell for $800, but it's the same piece of cotton that could sell for $10. It's kind of like that whole mindset where is there a way, and if you're associating it with a real house, I think that's kind of cool. And part of the Krista the Kim one that sold, I, if you went down the article, they actually said that the three rendering of the, of the furniture in the house could actually through 3d printing turn into real furniture and the person that bought it owned that as well. Cool. So, so the, it, yeah. there's a novelty,
2: uh, but there's also, you know, that one of one factor that makes people feel good. The, the,
4: the best thing I ever heard about it was Gary V basically said like 99% of this is going to be worth nothing.
1: Nothing, but, but it's the same as art. It's the same yep. as art, yep. right? Some Like, look, my daughter has a couple of paintings here. They're worth a ton to me, but, like, I don't think anybody will pay more than $4 for them in a garage sale one day. Right? But then one day, all of a sudden, she could, like, be famous, and somebody will say, oh, my God, I have this kid's stupid little painting. It's worth a billion dollars now.
3: So I guess the point is this.
2: I mean, to a certain person... There could be value in trading an NFT, could be trading any asset for for crypto. Uh, I know Tesla, I guess they've made an announcement now where they're saying that Bitcoin's no longer going to be accepted, right? So not sure what the whole story behind that is.: The likelihood It was because of, of
4: the, the mining for it okay. caused fossil fuels, and Elon didn't like the idea that mining for Bitcoin was actually ruining the environment.
2: Or, or it was all just a big publicity stint from the beginning, right? No,
1: no, no. I, <laughs> you, you, There was actually charts that showed after he bought it that yeah. the, the level of usage and trading went up so much that the the amount of energy used was, like, catastrophic if it continued along that path. But anyways, yeah. okay, so we're going down a crazy rabbit hole. I want to make one point. Real estate related. <laughs> well, but listen… I'll make one one last point with this, because I think it's it's a hundred million percent the future. And if I'm going to try and have something to do with it, but have you ever used PayPal? All the time. Okay. Have you ever sent an Mm e-transfer? I'm telling you, 10 years ago, this is crazy talk. Maybe 15 years ago, this is crazy talk. Before the pandemic, there was zero chance my mom was ever going to shop on Amazon. Zero. 0 now all she does is shop on amazon
2: but but it's dollar for dollar though no, I'm no, no. trading dollars for dollars. When no, no, I have what it something, is, I know this is worth so many dollars to me. Why would I want to give it to you for something that may or may not even be worth those dollars? Those same amount of dollars when he's willing to pay me those dollars.
1: It's ease. That's, it's to me, the that's ease, the challenge, and I can't it's, get over that part.
2: It's the ease of not having PayPal. You layers.
1: PayPal me the money.
2: Give me the money. Pay, PayPal me. Right, Venmo, but it, whatever. Send me something.
1: But it's the ease of not having extra layers. Is that what people people? want. People don't want all these added layers in between them and the stuff that they want when it's
2: unnecessary. Right. And that's but what that... I think that those crypto um banks, whatever, their their um Binance and, and Coinbase, don't they have transaction fees as well? They do. There are there are transaction
4: fees associated when you buy it, yeah. For sure. Yeah. But it's a smooth I think like if you make anything convenient, yeah. Amazon's the number one like, look at, look at it. It's convenient. It's why we use it. Yeah. You can buy a if house you on Amazon. People will use it.
2: You can buy a house on uh, Amazon. That, let's go down that, that rabbit hole. Okay. Is good. Like eBay and Amazon and all these type of, you know, more mainstream type of trading for housing going to be more popular in the future. Now that we've had so many virtual transactions, um, take place over the last year.
1: Have you ever bought anything? So I'll give on, you my uh, like,
4: have you ever
2: bought anything
1: phone. on Facebook marketplace?
4: Yeah, but I still go see it before I pay for it.
1: Ah, okay. Good. Here Good we point. go. Here we go. Nice. Okay, Tom,
4: let's hear
2: it. So,
4: so early on when the pandemic started, we did sell a few properties virtually, but they were only to buyers that had already sold their property and were in like a must-buy situation. Since then, everything we've sold, the person is still going into the house and seeing it. So could could Amazon or Google or any of these – marketplaces, Facebook, be a place where you could put the properties for sale? I think absolutely, because the reality is wherever the eyeballs are is where a seller would want their property to be. I think the, the flip side of it is there are many companies right now, a lot of them are taking up a little bit of market share in the States, but mostly in markets with lower price points, where let's say, Daryl, you have a house and its market value is $500,000. And I could say to you, I'll give you a 450 right now, cash, firm. Give me the keys, you're out. Is that convenience worth the lower price point and potentially higher fees associated with it? Because these platforms, they've created the ease and convenience, but you have to decide if it's worth it.
1: Yeah, I was looking They're, at Redfin and uh, a couple of these other ones just yesterday, trying to figure out what the hell is it that they do. And that was the only thing that I could find is like that quick, easy, like, we'll buy your house right now, cash, like, give us the keys and go whenever you want to leave.
2: So in Europe right now, so we're, you're, Tom, you're 100% right. Beginning of the pandemic, I, I sold a guy's house he bought in Belleville, sight unseen, virtually, all that kind of stuff. But otherwise, it's not, it's not popular here in Toronto, because it's just not where our buyers are coming from. But in Europe it's actually a phenomenon right now. So there's places in like Portugal, South UK, like these real vacation destinations where virtual buying is actually very popular. There is a place in the UK where people were paying 10,000 up to 10,000 pounds just to have a showing because of the market conditions, just to go and see the property they were paying up to 10 K 10,000 pounds. So, there's a lot of things that are in bigger and these are high. Some of these are vacation destinations in like European cities that are like, you know, I don't know. They're probably expensive luxury real estate, maybe a million euros, whatever that number would be, but it's not just like the cheap low end stuff. So it's, it's a really interesting um, concept that I think has its place dollar for dollar, but it has its place. The, the online marketplace um, in the future for real estate.
4: I, I totally agree. I think, I think, the European markets, from what I've heard, don't have the same centralized MLS type of systems that we have in Canada. And Canada actually has the best one. The U.S. is a bit more spread out, depending on state. But in Europe, as far as I'm concerned from the conversations I've had, is most listings are open listings. So you could see a house with four for sale signs on it, and whichever age it brings the buyer first. So it's just maybe it's maybe that's the best avenue for for the visibility of the listing to be on those marketplaces because the centralized system doesn't exist, but it's a good question.
2: Awesome. Right, sorry, Derek, I just wanted to go down that point there. Yeah, so, no, that was good. That's it. What was the point though? <laughs> well, the point was that, that real estate you know, needs to evolve and that uh, you asked me in the beginning before Tom jumped on what would I change about the real estate market tomorrow? My answer was I would make, make it, it easier, easier for buyers to buy yeah. and easier for sellers to sell, right? <laughs> You know, cause I don't have all the answers, but you know, if, if that's a, a way to do it, then that's just one more tool. Like Tom said, sellers want their uh, properties to be as visible as possible to as many people as possible. So if that's one more tool um, I don't think anybody's done it well enough yet. Uh, but that could no. come, you know? Yeah. No, eBay has probably come. been the leader in, in that, in the beginning, right? For oh, it's coming. Things. Like It's coming hundred percent. A hundred percent. And Amazon has got to be the been... one, right? Amazon does everything
4: you would think yeah and there yeah. will be a certain percentage convenience factor of people that would just like things to be easier and willing to pay a slightly higher fee or take a lower sale volume to make it happen
2: mm-hmm. there'd be like so an spis that, okay. signed by the seller that says this is what the property is all about this is what you're getting so give people the uh the comfort
1: yeah smart contract yeah. you make anything a, easy for a people coin.
3: they'll
4: consider it
1: Smart contract on an Ethereum coin. <laughs> Boom. Done. Thank you. Okay, let's move on. Okay. So now another point right. that we discussed was TK mentioned that, you know, you don't want to put your money in, you want to keep your money in cash because it can't go down by 10%. So tell me, what have we seen recently with the dollar? Has the value of the dollar gotten us more value of late or less? Has Is the dollar worth less than it was a year ago? Can you buy more
2: or less with it? You know, DK, my thoughts you want to take co- this? T- t- um, definitely, definitely less. And I'm not saying inflation yeah. doesn't exist. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the hyperinflation camp, which Daryl and I have gone back and forth on many, many times. But to me- so whatever asset you think is going to grow, all right? So I get my dollars, right? I can then invest it into, so I'll sell my hard asset real estate. I've got my money. It's in my bank account. I own it. I, I can feel it. I know exactly how much it's worth at that very moment. Then I get to decide where it goes from there. And if I think it needs to go into stock markets, mutual funds, and another piece of real estate, my savings account, lend it to my friend down the street who's paying me 12%, crypto, Anything that I I decide to do with that money, I then have the option of doing so because it's a more stable um, currency that then gets to be put into something that I, I that I value, right? And I believe that with with crypto or trading, you know, real estate for like a bartering type of system, you know, like for a stock, for example, you know, I have much less certainty that I'm going to be able to do what I want to do with it, and that's my that's my dilemma. So I I, I know inflation's happening, I know that it's just not. Uh, to the level that I believe is going to put us um, into any major crisis. I think they will raise raise interest rates, and, and they'll get it back on track over the next decade.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's going to go crazy, but it's there, right? And it's there, and and the dollar, I think, is like uh, behaves and is treated and is really similar to these cryptocurrencies. I mean, what's the difference?
4: I, I just don't think it would be financially smart for someone to put their life savings into crypto and just hope no Um, because yeah they they could do very well or they could not and so I, i guess really the the question would be tk is is not so much crypto versus what we perceive as our regular monetary value of money what we have now because i don't see cash that often it's numbers in an account right so it's almost like in its own way the same thing right but uh it's where you're putting that money so like if your money's sitting in your bank account it's going down just based on inflation. If it's just sitting there doing nothing. If it's in crypto, it could go up, it could go down, who knows? But then the the money in your bank account, if you put it into something like that's why I keep buying properties, because it's for me, it's like it's just a forced plan where I can't touch it. It's in there and I don't have to worry about it. And I know conservatively over the next five, ten years, if just the fundamentals of the market remain how they are, it's probably going to be pretty good.
2: Agreed. So I personally, because I
4: know real estate, and I know the history of the market. I'd want my money to be in properties because I understand it. But if I understood crypto, my argument would probably be a lot a lot different.
1: So, So tell me now. okay? so you are Tom Story. You focus on condominiums, right? You must sell condominiums to investors. And here you are about to close in three weeks on a lakefront property cottage. Why didn't you buy condos?
4: This was a lifestyle purchase, not a strict numbers purchase. Cause I, I do own, I own two condos as well.
1: Yeah. And so right now, what would you say about buying condos as an investment in Toronto?
4: It would depend on the reason why people buy condos in Toronto as an investment is because of the affordability of them compared to the other assets in the market. So you can't buy a house as an investment unless you have a million dollars, right? So I think that's what it is. And I think if you're gonna hold it long-term, history has a funny way of repeating itself, You're probably gonna be fine. Um, And rents are gonna move up when the borders open. I think it's almost like a foregone conclusion at this point. Like they're not, they've kind of stabilized now. They will move up as more people come here and the adults have to go back to school, meaning the universities. And yeah, so if you were to put your money in a condo now, the way that I've looked at every investment that I've made in real estate, I've only ever sold an asset to move that money into another piece of real estate. It's a it's a long-term game, and this isn't good like sales advice as a person that sells property, but like don't sell your property <laughs> unless you have to. Like there's strategic ways to refinance and figure it out and move the money around. And I started with one very small condo six years ago, which has helped me build a equity-wise million dollar real estate portfolio. It's not because I'm a genius, it's because The boring investment long-term strategy works, but there's also lots of shiny things out there that will catch your attention, like crypto, like NFTs, that are fun, quick. And even if you notice right now, like if you you see the wealth simple ads, it used to be all about long-term investments, and now all their ads are like, hey, you can buy crypto here. And here's when the stock market opens. And they're like trying to promote day trading because for their platform they make more money that way. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to see the generation flip.
1: Yeah. Well, they're advertising to younger people now. Isn't they ad something like stocks be what?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like stupid TikTok like that, and right? Yeah. That type of social media. Yeah. So Tom, are you seeing more condo investors now since we've last spoken? A little Most bit more, but
4: still a little bit more, but most are, are still from our buyer perspective are still end users. And well, and they I they think buying? the reason they're b they're buying condos between five hundred and fifty and seven hundred thousand dollars. That's what they're all buying. And, and where from uh downtown Toronto, pretty much like four one six area code Toronto proper. As to, close, oh, wow. close to
2: downtown as they can get.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Close to really? the subway line as they can afford.
3: Right. It's um,
4: every single one says the same thing. I'm like draw a box of where you'd want to live, and they draw like south to the water, they go north to Queen Street, they go east to DVP, and they go west to like uh, Liberty Village. Yeah, okay. just past front. Bathurst. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So the and, core and rentals now. Rentals, rentals now are the art- going on The articles are saying two months in a row that rental prices are going up.
4: They are. Um I don't service rentals anymore so i'm not on the ground level doing it but i've got a team member of ours that specializes with our rental clients and they've been saying that they've been losing on a lot of multiple offers and rentals which last year it was like here's 15 options what do you want so you're starting to see inventory come down a little bit and prices are getting better definitely not where they were but getting better
2: yeah awesome Good. So the condo markets just got, got a little bit more confidence behind it. And one of the articles that's out there right now is th- what's helping the condo prices is the unaffordable freehold prices. Yeah. Right.
1: It's like a dance. Exactly. It's, a
2: yeah. it's like, it's like what it's, do you mean? I got to spend a million dollars to go into a house or buy a rental or like, I don't in have that. Kind of money. What are my options? In, in Barry. <laughs> yeah. For a so semi. You go to condos, <laughs> right. You go to condos, it's you find a the, solution
4: this is where it started at the beginning of the pandemic. The, this was a condo and this was a freehold property. And by the end of 2020, this was the gap. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, whenever the gap gets too big, you look at one asset class and anybody that bought a condo in the peak, which was February of 2020, I can tell you now today, prices are back exactly where they were at the peak. Mm-hmm. So it took five to eight months of, of going down. They bought them down in October last year and from, from January 1st this year till now, they've gone up almost 14% back to where they were at the peak. So, so that was your you condo
2: on, correction. On, on valuation side, so if you were gonna look at somebody's condo, like you know how in 2020, we were you know, trying to keep the comps as more like as recent as possible, right? Just because it's been moving. Are you now saying, okay, there's not much activity this year in your building, but from February 2020 and earlier, there was these sales at these prices. Are you taking those into consideration?
4: We're actually, no, we're we're trying to just focus on 2021 data because there actually has been a lot of sales and there's actually been way more condo inventory right now than there used to be. It's just being gobbled up 10 times faster than it was last year. So we actually have recent data to show that, hey, this is what today's price is. And in some forms, it's actually higher than last February in certain buildings and other buildings, it's a little bit
2: lower, but it's case by case. So you try to avoid 2020 altogether. If you're looking at comps for condos, they hold less weight. Uh, Unless there's absolutely, unless
4: there's absolutely nothing to look at in 2021, then I try to avoid 2020, uh, especially for helping buyers try to figure out what to offer on properties. Mm. If you're using 2020 data, um, you don't, you're not going to be in the ball game at all. Yeah. It's out of date.
1: And what about uh, any pre-construction action for you?
4: Yeah, we we dabble in there. We certainly don't specialize in it. Um, my opinion on pre-construction from the beginning is, you know, early days, condo boom, 2005, pre-con was cheaper than resale. And it was like, okay, this makes sense. Then they got to about even in 2008. By 2015, pre-cons became more expensive. And I remember standing at a condo launch when they opened the doors, and this was in 2016, and they said – our average price for square foot is six fifty, and the room like gasped. They were like, "What? What?" <laughs> and it was like, "Were they crazy?" And that building now sells for twelve hundred square foot. So we're all wrong. And but what I'm trying to get at here is like right now, on average, your average downtown Toronto pre-con is starting at thirteen hundred dollars per square foot.
1: More like thirteen fifty.
4: Yeah, and your average resale is at a thousand. So. Is it worth 30% more?
1: No, but now the whole pitch has <laughs> Personally, changed. I don't think so. The pitch no. has changed to now you're buying the future, there, right? You're buying the future us, early. The future. <laughs> well, this is what I hear. This is what they say. Now you're buying the future early, right? You're buying into the future with pre-K. It used to be that you're getting a great deal early. Now it's turned into like you're buying into the future,
4: right? Hopefully, what are the, what are the benefits? Think, what
2: are, what are the benefits of pre the legitimate benefits of pre-construction?
4: Okay. For who? Longer deposit, uh, deposit structure. Mm. The deposit structure is over a period of time. You don't need to get the mortgage right away. And at the end of the day, you are buying something brand new. So mm-hmm. I bought a precon in 2017. That's actually closing next week. And I bought it for $800 a square foot. And I'm going to be very happy when it closes. Like it's, it was a great investment. Um, but I picked a unique project. The, the thing with precon, which I think is hard for the general public to figure out is there is so many projects at all times and every agent selling every project, like it's the best thing ever. And I actually think, and I got to give the precon industry credit. They do a great job at marketing and making They're these good. things look yeah. sexy and like. Get in at VIP prices, which we all know means absolutely nothing. Like, they do a good job. They do a better job than the resale industry. And yeah. and and the perception of the buyers is, oh, if I buy a pre-con, I'm getting a deal. E- which we know isn't true, but they do
2: a better job marketing. The buyers feel like they're getting a deal.
1: Well, and they're marketing to a different crowd. I mean, let's be honest. The, the These are... There, there, There's a tiny percentage of actual users buying these things. I mean, who the hell can buy something now and know what the hell they're going to be able to do four or five years from now? Like, can you imagine? Like, I, I, it's crazy. But but there's so many people where that is the best way to get your money out of your country right now, right? So, I mean, let's be honest. That's what it's all about. We are building the rental supply through these investors who have to get their money out of corrupt nations.
4: And you asked me before who my buyers are, and I said they're end users. It's because the investors aren't buying resale. Sure. They're buying pre-con, and we don't have access to that data. Only the developers know. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's there's a
2: few... And I've heard high numbers there. Right. Like we've heard some pretty high numbers there about you're talking about investor versus end user or foreign versus uh, domestic. Well, if, if you talk either like, one, I mean, I would if, just say investor versus end user. Yeah, investor, so investor versus, versus end, end, user. end user. You're 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 in the you're in the majority. Like beyond the majority.
1: Out, beyond 50, the majority. 60 percent
3: to investors. Yeah. No, no, no.
1: Way beyond that. Like way these, beyond. Like it probably has a nine in front of it. OK, when these, <laughs> that's a
4: high number. When these buildings launch. When they finally launch five years later, and you see 96 units for lease on MLS in the same building, yeah. you understand who it was sold to. And that's been one of the things, right? Like if you're an investor, you don't mind that. This is a numbers game to you. But if I'm going to sell a condo to one of our buyers, I would probably say to them, let's try to get a building that's skewing towards the owner occupied over 50% because nothing wrong with with renting, but you just you're not going to treat it the same way as you would if you owned it.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And we've seen this happen in the buildings.
2: How do you how would you target a end user building? You have to watch Tom's so, new
1: video, Seven Tips for
4: Buying a Condo in in Toronto, where he talks about all of this.
2: Well, enlighten me, please. But the the
4: uh the easy answer is uh in buildings that are established and have been around for a while, you're supposed to register all the rentals with property management, and this would actually show up in the status certificate. So the lawyers are review this and give you an idea. Um, you could also just average it out and go on MLS and run the rentals in the past two, three years and try to get a sense. Like there's no perfect science. Um, but if you see 50 rentals a year in a building with 250 units, you can do the math.
2: What's the highest rentals you've seen? Like what building? building? Yeah.
4: Roughly. That's interesting.
1: What was the one that just had a ton of Airbnbs, uh, in the pandemic
4: or ice was it 12 or 14 York ice condos.
2: Maybe. Um, What was it? Um, City Place, I think, was at like 75% or something at one point.
4: Probably. Oh, yeah. That is I would say some buildings are probably at at 90. Yeah.
2: Wow. But they
1: have to be. No one's building rentals. I mean, where the hell are people going to rent? And what a beautiful entry point for an investor where, I mean, what's the alternative? You can't go buy a building with 100 units nowadays unless you have a billion-dollar fund, right? Yeah. You yeah. you, you build you, a purpose-built well, rental, good well, luck, or buy one. Buy one. It's tough unless you've got billions or you're lucky, I guess.
4: Purpose-built rentals were trying to make a comeback in 2017 right before rent control was announced. Yeah. And then half of them dropped off, and a few of them have finished up now, but probably not the pro formas they initially started building at.
1: A lot of them were in proposal as rentals in that time period. And most of them pivoted back to condo because yep. the environment just completely collapsed on purpose built rental.
2: Why? Sorry. Why did rent control? So in 2018, when they took away rent control, how did that affect purpose? built well, I, I would assume that more purpose built rentals.
4: I don't think when when this when the first rent control came in and it was a blanket rent control before Ford changed it was when Wynn was the premier, I don't the developers didn't know Ford was gonna come in and change it after
3: right, again
1: right, yeah, so all of a okay. sudden you you went from seeing like you know rents being able to escalate to the sky right mm-hmm. when people moved out to one point eight percent per year,
2: and maybe now construction costs too because I imagine with purpose built rentals. The construction costs being all under one um, umbrella probably makes it a little bit more instead of passing it on to each individual investor because in purpose-built rental you've got you got a set return we know like you know you're making cash flow right we know that these um, small investors buying these condos are negative cash flow and they're willing to swallow that in each one of their units because they're making appreciation right and mortgage pay down where the purpose-built rental guys are like we can't lose a year on our performa. Like, how is that possible? Like, it just, it just doesn't make sense. The numbers don't make sense. We have to turn it into a condo so that let everyone else lose 10% and they'll get paid 20 years from now when they sell it. Right. And that probably makes it easier to justify. What
4: I've noticed too, is we've got some savvy first time home buyers who want to get into the market, live there for a bit, hold it, rent it out, jump to the next one. And they're specifically asking us, which are the buildings that don't have rent control? Right. smart because basically you know november 2018 15th, if it was 18 or 19 15 yeah.
2: 2018 yeah
4: that's the new blanket the date, date right yeah. so anything finished after that does not have rent control and yeah. i don't think most renters know that and i think that would be something that rentals renters renting places should understand what buildings are actually getting into because i think they just think across the board there's still rent control where there isn't for a good portion of newly built condos
2: but, but there's COVID policies right now. So if you don't want to pay your rent, just don't pay it. And the landlord can't do anything about it for a year. So Yeah, are, I, those, I'll say what I said at the
4: very beginning is like, just try to be a good human for a bit here. And yeah, like, let's let the, get through this together, to a, you know?
2: Yeah, Don't
1: be a dick. Don't Basically. be a dick. I'll get a love t-shirt it. made.
2: we on a real estate show. Don't, don't be, be a dick.
1: dick. I'd wear it. Nice. All right. Well, you're going to start to see merch soon. Once we hit seven subscribers, we're going to start selling merch.
3: Perfect. Awesome. Hey, don't say okay, your site's too high, price. OK? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. How's everything going for you on YouTube? You got a lot of people watching,
4: you now. it's been good. I, um, you know, YouTube was kind of I never meant to build it into something. It was like these, these videos are being created for our, our clients anyways. And I had them and I was like, well, might as well put it on YouTube so it will show up on my website. Like that was the initial thought process. Um, but now we're taking it a little bit more seriously. I've actually brought in some third party editors now where I can create the content, go sell real estate and my videos will still post every single week. So that's exciting. Cool. And it's just, it's continued to happen time and time again, where I'll get emails from people that will say, Hey, I've been watching you for X amount of time, whether it's two weeks or two years. And I'd like you to help us buy this. And it's, it's like, I didn't know they existed. So just on a purely also, I run a business on a marketing side of things. It's, it's been great. And I enjoy it. Cool. I still can't really figure out how this all works. No, like I, I tr- it's so like, it's
1: so annoying. It's like, you hit a good video, all kinds of people watch it. And you think the next one's going to the
2: moon. <laughs> and it's like,
3: what the fuck? No made one watched this we've one. We've made it. Yeah. It's
2: an emotional roller coaster. Um, my, my niece told me her friend found a realtor off of TikTok, yep. and that she's watching her TikTok videos and then said, that's the girl that I want to help me buy a house. So I think that that's a huge part of, of your business going forward. I think this is going to be a huge part of your business is going to be the people who are going to know you from YouTube and your social media. And that that's the relationship that they're seeing the real you they're seeing how you act. They're going, I trust that guy. He knows what he's talking about. That's who I want to help me with my real estate transactions. And I think that that is the future i, I mean, think that the traditional way is amazing and it's great but it's 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 nailing it in that one demographic but the social media is going to be the younger demographics and that's and, uh, unless you're doing that you're going to be left behind
1: and it's a long game too right it's a consistency yeah. yep. long game yep but what Everything. a fucking content. annoying ride man
2: Holy that's what we're doing cow. right now we're just producing content every every week Power show, better. monthly stats show. Here we Just have to talk. We got to talk about the most important thing
1: going on right now in Toronto real estate, can't we? This is the most important thing by a mile. Scarborough home price appreciation, <laughs> appreciation significantly outperformed downtown properties during the pandemic, and the best part, they figured out where did they put it. Where did I read it? Scarborough Village. Look at this. Scarborough. 25%. Nothing else even has a two in front. Oh, yeah. It does York. Damn. Scarborough. We're very bullish on Scarborough. Right here. Scarborough Village was the top-performing neighborhood in the area with property values increasing
2: by 31%. TK?
1: So it's uh,
2: based on relativity, right? So in 2018 or 19, the highest uh, performing area was Malvern in all of Toronto. Because Malvern was the cheapest price point to be able to get into. So, of course, when prices started to rise again, coming out of the 2017 slump, there's this huge increase in Malvern. All of a sudden, you can, you know, Malvern was five hundred, six dollars $600,000 houses. And it was like, where did that come from? But there's so again, space. There's space that, for the increase. Look on that right? map, northwest corner of the city, right? In that neighborhood, that's kind of rough. And then Scarborough, the areas were a little bit... Um, suppressed and so we've had uh, a huge increase in prices which is great i Balancing wish out, which is important.
1: i wish i owned a property in the scarborough village in scarborough right now
2: on kingston Earth. if
1: yeah, I, yeah if it, and if i bought it like a year and a half or two ago would have been like the best thing ever we're very bullish on scarborough here i can hear that can you guys hear me okay still perfectly yeah, yeah, no actually better now yeah, okay. than the rest of the show so okay last thing Mr. Tom's story, where are we in the market now? Does it feel slower, faster? And where are we heading in the
4: next quarter? So the inventory we are all waiting for still hasn't shown up. The inventory still hasn't come. But the buyer fatigue has arrived. And there is less buyers willing to play these silly games than there was previously. So the, the way that I'm looking at it is the market went from basically batshit crazy back to a regular good seller's market.
3: Mm.
4: And now some, so when sellers go into the market, they have to understand that some of the prices you saw in March and April were insane market fundamentals. Where right now. It's a better overall market. You never want to be the person that gets caught on either end of it, but it hasn't significantly changed and prices haven't dropped, but they, they are, we were on a pace there where like the acceleration on a monthly basis was terrifying. And I don't think that can keep going the way it did. So to sum this up, like the market, I think the rest of the year is going to be a good market like we've seen in the GTA, but don't expect every property to list to $8.99 and sell for $1.3 million anymore. You're gonna start seeing homes list for what they're actually worth, which is nice. That's it's a nice way of buying and selling real estate, God forbid.
1: Listing price right? meaning something again. You heard
4: it here first. But it's also gonna be micro markets because you were just talking about Scarborough. And like through the last year, actually, the The 416 area code in Toronto has not seen anywhere close to the price increases that suburban markets have seen. Milton, Hamilton, all these areas have gone crazy. Some like little cottage areas are up like 50%. So I think that's because those areas already started at much lower price points and Toronto was already expensive. But I actually think the the GTA market and some surrounding areas still have a lot of room to grow. It just can't be at the accelerated rate we were seeing earlier this year.
2: No, but and a lot of GTA market room to grow. I like it. Well, there's room to grow everywhere. Not enough houses and places for people to live around here.
1: No. And that, and and what's interesting now is that like, I think if you can buy something for 1.2 million, let's say that's your budget. There's so many places to look now where like the average price is around that. Right. So, you know, depending on your work life, depending on your lifestyle, you have so many options of where to live in a price point now. It's crazy. The problem is, is that you have to be a millionaire in order to own this stuff, right? But, like, you yeah. could you could look at Barrie or Newmarket or Mississauga or Toronto or Scarborough. Like, for $1.2 million, like, you're basically everywhere now. Right, but that's almost a starter home, isn't it? That's like a starter semi in almost all those places now. Can you even buy a house anywhere for 1.2 million and actually live in it? Yeah, so lots yeah, of, yeah, lots yeah. Of yeah you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, like within a 45 minute drive of Toronto.
2: Yes, there's lots. Where? Oh, yeah, they exist. They exist. That you we, can we live just sold... in?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sold a semi in central Toronto for one point two, like two weeks ago. And uh, three-bedroom, two-bathroom, unfinished basement, had one parking, totally livable, like not modern, renovated, but they exist.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I, see, I think what's going to happen is, um, see, municipalities are going to be starting to collect a lot more taxes, right? Assess- assessments are going to be done again. Prices are going to go up. In the East Coast, taxes in some places are up four to five times because of how much price appreciation and, and how low the taxes were before. Uh, east now coast or east side of the East coast, city. Maritimes, like okay, yeah, yeah. other provinces. Yeah. So in Ontario, we're going to face the same thing. You're going to see MPAC start to reassess, and everyone's prices are going to go up. Maybe tax rates could change. And all of a sudden, the municipalities are going to be flooded in with extra uh, revenue, and they're going to be looking at increasing transit options, increasing infrastructure, making it more... Um, big city, like in all these small towns so that people are going to be able to justify staying there and living there and growing. I, you know, people are leaving. We always talk about the immigrants always wanting to come to Toronto and that's never really going to change. It's just how many people are going to be willing to leave Toronto and go into these other small municipalities. And like I had clients talking to me about Saskatoon the other day and, you know, people are obviously moving all over Ontario, you know, Thunder Bay, you know, whatever, but there's going to be this huge increase in, um, the lifestyle in these small towns—that's going to make it more suitable for people, and that's what's going to keep those prices healthy. And then, like Tom said, I agree. Everyone's then going to say, "Okay, well, to be in the big city like Toronto, you got to pay an even bigger premium," and that's going to continue to push prices up here, which, you know, is good as well, right? I mean, that's—it it has to be more expensive in Toronto. The day that it gets more expensive elsewhere, there's a huge problem. That's—that's that's not going to—that's not going to last very long. That's—we're going to—we're going to be—we're going to be in a. <laughs> In a whirlwind of trouble if that happens.
1: Well, and, and Toronto will slingshot past again. Or
2: those, yep. will, but, or, or those will go down, right? Which is the fear, right? Is that urban sprawl creates all these price increases in these small town areas and whatever those fundamentals that led to that disappear. And then those prices go back down which actually hurts local economies. It's really bad for those small towns which is what the locals in all these towns are screaming right now saying, these Toronto buyers are driving us into rentals or into smaller houses or whatever. So you have to be cautious of that and that's gotta be uh, managed.
3: Hmm.
1: Well, the place to be. it is definitely the place to be. There's definitely going to be more growth everywhere. We have to fit for whatever percentage comes to the GTA or even to Ontario. I mean, it's somewhere in the 40% range and more like we have to fit these people somewhere. And they're coming. There is zero doubt that they are going to change that mandate. Right. So, it's probably a really great time to be in real estate in the next decade. I think we have to buckle up and hang on. I mean, it's like anything right now. It's 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 way more volatile than it used to be. So if you look at the month-to-month graphs, it's going to be a little bit cuckoo, right? Because that's just how it is. But we looked at the 30-year chart on our stats show last week, and it's pretty like obvious. I mean, the pattern is up, right? It's mm-hmm. just up. So hang on to your hats, everybody, even though you have real estate fatigue, it's time to wake up because <laughs> it's going to get, a, take a Red Bull or something, take a red, T- Bull. Tom, have, are you
2: dealing with any tenanted properties? So your, your clients, so this is a new trend too, that we've noticed. So clients are calling us saying, I want to sell and my property's tenanted and how to navigate that with everything. What, mm-hmm. what type of stories could you share with us?
4: yeah um there's sometimes they work out really well and are great and you always try to from the very beginning drop off you know the amazon gift card and say hey we're all on the same team here like let's figure this out and, and let them know exactly in an email exactly how this works here's what your rights are here's what it's going to look like and just try to be as friendly as possible because there's just no winning those battles um and so sometimes tenants are great and they're like, yeah, we were going to leave anyways. We'll make sure it's clean and you have perfect. And sometimes people just have, and again, and again, it's not their fault, but they have no reason why they would want that house to sell. Um, have you had anybody refuse so it's showings? kind of a delicate situation.
2: Have you had anybody refuse yes. showings yeah. where they're like, no, you're not, nobody's coming into my, my property. I live here. COVID. I'm vulnerable.
4: Sure. Not in tw- Not in 2021, but last year we had that several times. We had to take properties off the market, actually. Wow,
2: the beginning, right? Where there was a lot of unknowns, like March, April, those times.
3: The
4: beginning, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: We had one this week. And how can you blame them?
4: Yeah,
3: like for for sure. sure In the beginning,
2: everyone was just like, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. This could be serious. It could not be. I think now, after a year of showings, and you know, I always say this and I, and I have no data to back it up, but there has not been any cases attributed to real estate showings, any, any transmission that has caused like a tenant says, I've been living at home. I haven't left my house. I've been just following the rules. These agents came in and now I got COVID like there's that story would make the news and everyone would find out about it. And Aria and Trab and everybody would be really, you know, careful if that kind of story came to light. Right. So I haven't heard that story yet. So I'm assuming with the thousands and thousands of showings with tenants, tenants home, there hasn't been any cases of transmission. Uh, that's what, that's what I'm hoping. Um, but you know, when we're, when we're looking at the protocols that we have in place and uh, and you know what they are right from the gloves to the masks to the timing, to the wiping, to the not touching, to the social distancing and all that kind of stuff. It seems like there can be a way to show a property safely with tenants home. They're
4: absolutely can. And one thing we we'd actually done recently is we, we just paid, we, well, we didn't pay, but we figured it out with the seller, the seller paid for the tenant to go stay in a hotel for a week and they were happy about it. They're like, yeah, okay, well this is great. Fine. And we, we listed low, did the offer date. It all worked out fine. So you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta think like, what's the best way to do it that everybody's happy because if the tenants not participating, it's going to be a difficult sale.
3: Yeah.
2: So we had one this week was the tenant said, no showings. I'm not leaving. I'm not doing anything and I'm not paying rent. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we did the offer date. We showed the basement and we just told everybody and said like, here's what it is. You know, you buy the property. You're not seen upstairs. You're not doing an inspection. You're not going to, you're not going to even be guaranteed to ever get into that property. And you need to go and evict this guy when the time comes when you own the property. So did it sell? again, yeah. Multiple offers. Found a buyer <laughs> who said, I'm going to buy the property. I'm going to live in the basement. We're living, we're looking to move into the whole house. So we'll serve on the N12. If it takes a year, no problem. We did a damage deposit so that they can, something's held in trust in case something gets damaged. And we guaranteed them four months worth of rent for him. So after that, the rent payments are done and we sold it for 55,000 over asking, you know?
4: I mean, if that doesn't show you our supply-demand issue and what people are willing to take on to get a property, I don't know what would.
1: It's crazy, yeah. I I read an article today that said uh, something about the GTA market cooling, but if anything, it's just the calm before the storm. And I think, like, people are smart. Like, it's a very educated market. So people have been on, you know, people have been... um, everybody's just educated. They know that it's like too hot. Maybe as a collective, everybody was like, okay, like this is fucked, man. We got to chill out right now. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean what, the government didn't do anything. Did they, did they do anything that freaked people out that slowed it down?
3: No. I mean
4: like they, they changed the stress test on June 1st, but that's not, that's not really going to do much.
2: I don't think so either right i mean it's how many guys conventional mortgages are maxing out their budgets all the time like 5% right rare,
4: rarely it's it's only it's going to hurt that first time home buyer that had just scrambled to save enough and now they can afford 5% less based on the new rules
2: if they have yeah if they have their 20% down cuz i think high ratio mortgages won't be affected that's what they're saying so that, like still if if you're going to buy for a million and now you can buy like a nine, nine fifty a million mortgage. And now you can get a $950,000 sure. mortgage. You know, chances are there's, you know, different interest rates you can tweak. There's, you know, little, little things that, you know, guys can do that swings the, uh, uh debt service and everything else like that, the, the way that they want it to, you know, there's B lender options. Like there's always going to be an option for someone to still buy the property that they want.
1: But there's a um, double dip going on. So not only, you know, it, uh, the, the rate it, like the prices are going up like crazy. Right, so now you know yeah. you you're, you get scalped a little bit on what you can spend, and the prices of everything around you went up. Right,
2: sucks. But buyers seem to be like you know buyers that I'm talking to. Like, I know there's a few who are like, oh, I'm gonna wait till. It- Whatever, but most of those guys end up coming back to the market, going, okay, never mind. Let me let me figure this out. They're for the most part, anybody who's motivated right now is understanding. They look at the comps from last month and they say, yeah, I mean, the market's going up last month with eight 8- eight thirty. I got to make sure that I pay at least that because they know the direction of the market. Like they, like you said, I don't think the prices have come down. I think that just the way that buyers are willing to engage with the sellers uh, and for different properties has definitely changed. That's. Uh, there's I'm less overall
4: showings right now there's less showings we've seen in our properties but the sale price ends up being the same and we were there was a point there that every sale price would beat the last one like it was like no matter what mm-hmm. that's that stopped a little bit like it's it's like they'll get at least what the last one got but not everything's beating the last one by 30 grand anymore
2: for sure do you guys use a uh, broker bay we do yeah yeah. So do you ever go to the analytics things and look at those showings and all that kind of stuff? I like that, right? Super so, interesting. What's yeah, this? So What's this? What is this? Just like our, uh, you know, I don't know. What it's you like call the it. back end
4: showing system. Um, how we book appointments on properties, and and based on a lot of big companies use them now, um, that they have analytics that they put out, which give you a sense of how the market's trending based on showing activity and offers registered.
2: Exactly. Those two there. Those two bits of information are really helpful to show people.
4: And where yeah. are we trending down
1: right
2: now? Probably up again, but it went way down the last time I checked, which is a couple of weeks ago. Like it, it plummeted in the beginning of, um,
1: that's uh, a great thing to track medical, TK middle, middle regularly with us.
3: And the if you show, have access
1: sure. to it. Yes, that would be great.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
2: definitely, definitely a, a metric that I think is, is very helpful. Oh my God. So Tom, that's
1: like motion of the, of the market right there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For, for 35,000 brokers or something like that. Like it's a pretty big platform. Mm-hmm. They've got, they got a lot of people. Wow. So Tom, we're, we're right at the end of the show. So just kind of, uh, you know, again, advice to the, to the listeners, um, shameless plug so people know how to follow you and, uh, let us know, uh, you know, what to expect for the rest of 2021. Sure. So my
4: advice to listeners about the market is that if anybody tells you with certainty that they know what's going to happen, they are lying to you. Uh, we, we don't know, we know we can look at the past and look at the numbers and make guesstimates on what we think could happen. And, but we don't know, we don't know. Even, even the economists don't really know they're making trend lines and predictions. They know so less than just... us. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah, Cause they're just numbers. They're not actually on the ground level. Um, Yeah. If you want to, if you want to check us out at all, uh, we're, we're probably most active actually on Instagram. It's at the story team story spelled S T O R E Y, or you can check out our YouTube. Uh, It's just my name. You'll, you'll find it. And yeah, my last piece of advice is just real estate's the long game. It's boring, but it's a great way to build generational wealth. Um, I'm just trying to stack up properties here as much as I can. And and that's going to be how that will be what will serve my lifestyle. It's not going to be income or business. It's going to be properties.
2: Awesome.
1: Beautiful.
4: Appreciate it.
2: Thanks for doing the double, the double decker on the, on the show here. Hopefully it'll got a a triple decker at one point. Can't
1: wait to be back. Our, our field expert in resale condos coming to you live from his family cottage, Mr. Tom story. Thank you so much, bud. nice to see you. All right. Thanks guys.
2: Thank you. Thanks Tom. Was
4: my internet terrible? No.